Welcome to Let's Find Waldo with Mark Dowling. My name is Mark Dowling, and this is Let's Find Waldo with Mark Dowling. I have some really big news to share with you. I sold my pilot to Quibi a couple weeks ago, and I've been so excited that I haven't even read any news You've or anything. You've got mail. Oh. Okay, let's see. Oh, it's from the president of podcasts. He says, Dear Mark, you have a new sponsor. Oh. It's not for mattresses or stamps like you asked, but it's the next best thing. A family-owned local restaurant. Keep up the work. I think he meant to say keep up the good work. Okay, well, that's exciting. We got a sponsor, and I'm sure it's a great restaurant. But I want to talk more about the Quibi show. Mark, Quibi is done. There will be no show. Let me know if you need anything. It's really embarrassing that this happens now. But rejection is part of the business, so kind of just got to push through and be okay with this sort of stuff. So let's play that ad from, from that restaurant. The restaurant is called Leftovers Bistro. And then when we come back, we'll look for Waldo. Stay tuned. Come on down to Leftovers Bistro. At Leftovers, we're just like a normal restaurant, only we do things a little bit different. Nothing's ever fresh, but it's always delicious at Leftovers. If or not, our chefs cook up massive batches of food to serve to our customers the next day. So when you come in here, you can't order the food that we're making that night. You have to order the food that was made that you get the idea. We have all the classic dishes, meatloaf, mashed potatoes, chicken cacciatore, and more, just like grandma used to make. Here at Leftovers, we don't have plates. Our food is served directly inside complimentary Tupperware containers, which you can take home and reuse for years to come. Hey, did somebody say drink specials? Every cocktail at Leftovers is made from unfinished drinks that were served the night before. Don't worry, we run them through a Brita filter to ensure that your beverage is as good as new. Try our whiskey whiskey. We put whiskey inside a glass and then we put more whiskey inside that glass. The glass itself is made out of sugar so you can eat it or you can smash it over your friend's head like they do in the movies. I sure hope you saved room for dessert. Our all-new dessert menu includes discarded pastries from the dumpster behind the bakery next door. Me and the baker have a real Ross and Rachel thing going on. I'm Rachel. Leftovers is a truly one-of-a-kind dining experience, but don't take it from me. Take it from one of our fine customers. Me and my wife love to go to Leftovers Bistro. We went there for our anniversary to save a little money, and we saved so much, we got married again. I'm so excited every time I'm there, and I can't wait to tell all of my friends. Do you want somebody to bring you an old telephone on a silver platter and say, excuse me, sir, you have a phone call? Well, at Leftovers, we can do that because we'll do pretty much anything you want. Our doors are open 24-7 because we lost the locks that go on them. So stop in anytime. Leftovers is located off of Route 110 in Farmingdale, directly across the street from Adventureland. Call 631-694-6868 if you want to talk to someone at Adventureland. Leftovers Bistro. It's yesterday's food, today. Welcome back. We are referencing the Where's Waldo 30th Anniversary Edition book, ISBN number 978-0-7636-9579-8. Today Waldo is lost at sea, and he's left us a little message to help us get started on our search. 
Anchors away, Waldo mates. Well, such wonders I saw at sea. Ahoy, ahoy, a lobster bed, a capsized desert island, a shark fin in a swimming pool. The only question is, can you see me? Ha-ha! Well, thanks, Waldo. So I'm looking over this picture, and my first impression is, whoa, that's a lot of water. And I know that's obvious because this scene takes place at sea, but what I find to be interesting is that the Earth we live on, which is round, by the way, is made up of about 70% water. And that's not even including the water that's inside each and every one of us, which is like 60% water. So that that's uh, 150% water that is on the Earth right now. And I think that that percentage is very well represented in this illustration because... To be honest, this thing is mostly water, and everybody is in their own little boat or vessel. This is more spread out than any of the other scenes that we've done so far, and I think this one would get the the Fauci stamp of approval. Uh, Fauci. And then we'll put in a sound effect that, that uh, does that. Fauci. Perfect. The main focus of this scene is towards the bottom of the page, where there's this massive party boat, and I know it's a party boat because there's a party happening on it. Uh, so I guess it doesn't get the, the Fauci stamp of approval. So put in another sound effect that's like, uh, like just do it in reverse. We're going to talk about that party boat in a couple of minutes, but let's start in the top right corner of the right page, where we see a ship that sort of looks like the Titanic. And I never understood why they continued to make ships that looked like this, because clearly it didn't work out. You know, it was a design flaw. If your boat is destroyed by an iceberg, a piece of ice, something we put in our drinks every single day, if your boat is destroyed by that, you got to go back to, to boat school. You got to learn how to build a, a proper ship. You know what they should have done? They should have built the ship out of the iceberg. That would have been a, a good idea. My favorite thing about the Titanic, by the way, is that story of the orchestra continuing to play as it was sinking. Because it's like, why would you sign a contract that had that in the clause as like a, a, an entertainer? You get your big break playing on a boat, which I don't know if in the early 1910s, if that was like a, a huge deal. Because now if your agent called you and they were like, hey, uh, you got a gig on a boat. Do you want to do that? It'd be like a backwards move. But anyway, they get their big break and then the conductor or whoever is like, hey, welcome aboard. We're so happy to have you. Just so you know, if this ship sinks, and it won't because we had the best engineers. They, they have four-year degrees. They've done their research. They know what they're doing. But if this ship does sink, you're going to have to keep playing. Everybody's going to be in a life raft frenzy. You're going to have to stay there. And just remember that the Second movement is uh, allegro. You're kind of you're kind of falling back on the tempo, so really just try and keep up with everybody else. Sign on the dotted line, and uh, I'll see you in hell. They made that movie Titanic, where Kate Winslet showed her icebergs, which was wild because I didn't even know that people got naked before 1920. I thought it was all just like hand holding and suggestive winking but no apparently not and that was a pg-13 movie by the way crazy james cameron got away with something i think what happened was the mpaa 
fell asleep by the time that scene was happening. And that's not a shot at Titanic. I would never take a shot at Titanic. That's a shot at the drowsiness of the MPAA or MPAA, as some people call it. I could probably do like 20 minutes on the Titanic and it would really get good around minute 15, but I'm not going to do that because we have so much more to talk about. So moving down from that ship, we see two water skiers who have become entangled. And this isn't a cute entanglement like 101 Dalmatians where you meet the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. This is like a horrific entanglement where you're going to meet the person you're going to be in court with. And I think this is the fault of the two speedboat drivers because they're going in opposite directions, which caused this crisscross thing. And they weren't following whatever the sea law is because there's got to be rules that are in place to prevent this from happening. You know, I know the ocean is not just a free-for-all, even though there are some loopholes around the laws we have on land. Like, you're allowed to gamble in the ocean. You're allowed to get away with murder sometimes, like a Nancy uh, or a Natalie Wood. I almost said Nancy Kerrigan, who we've talked about on the show before, and we're Team Nancy. By the way, if you're listening to this for the first time, we are a Team Nancy podcast. We don't like I, Tanya because we think she was mean to Nancy. And I'd hate to split the audience and alienate any listeners, but I do have integrity, and I have to just say that I am Team Nancy. And you don't have to agree with me to listen to this. You know, sometimes you have to separate the art from the artist, like George Bush does art. And I don't like his art, but I like his politics. I'm kidding, obviously. George Bush is a war criminal who needs to be tried for his crimes against humanity, and he could burn in hell as far as I'm concerned. He also hangs around Ellen. And I'm sorry I've stayed quiet on the whole Ellen thing. You know, I haven't drafted my my response yet, but... Well, that's the gist of it, you know? You're only as good as the company you keep... I think I read that on a fortune cookie. Uh, A lot of people, they read the fortune part first. I read the learn Chinese part first uh, because I'm worldly. Speaking of fortune cookies, there are two men who are on a boat and they're fishing. We all know that proverb, right? Uh, You teach a man to fish and he'll rub it in your face because these two men have caught so many fish. There's a pile of green fish on their boat, their small wooden boat. And across from them is a professional fishing boat. There are uh, six fishermen on board, and they have beards, and they're wearing their yellow outfits. They've thrown a net over the edge of the boat, but they're coming up empty because the two men have caught all the fish in the vicinity. And I'm proud of them uh, because they look like they're fishing to provide for themselves and for their family, uh, which is important. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you can provide for your family. It doesn't even matter if you're human because, honestly, dogs get paid. Dogs are in movies sometimes. Airbud, that that dog is probably a millionaire. And dogs don't even use cash, so all that money went to the family that, that raised him. Above those fishermen and slightly to the left, there is an octopus attack. And there are two people in a boat, a man and a woman. And it seems as though maybe they were on a date because they are standing pretty close together. But this date did not go the way they wanted it to because that octopus has reached out with one of its tentacles and has wrapped it around the man's throat and is now pulling him overboard. So angry octopus here. 
or maybe jealous octopus. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to be on, on that date. He's taking out his frustration on that man. I think the octopus is one of the most fascinating creatures because they contain ink that we use in our pens. And we have different color pens. So that means that there are octopi who produce black ink. There are ones that produce blue ink. There are some that produce red ink. I think those are the ones that are always correcting the other octopi. Above that, there is a beautifully colored sailboat. One sail is a shade of light blue, and the other sail is a shade of yellow. Not a common color combination that you see. And there's a man sitting on the edge of that boat, and he seems to just be reflecting on his life. So I hope that he finds the answers that he's looking for. To the left of that, there is an empty ship, and I wonder if this is a ghost ship. I don't mean to frighten you. Uh, do you think a ghost ship is a ghost ship because the ship is a ghost, or because the people on board are ghosts? A ship is an inanimate object, so I don't think that it's too concerned with moving on to the afterlife, but maybe there's like a, a ship heaven and a ship hell. A, a Dave ship hell. I truly hope that that boat goes on to ship heaven, though. Next to that, there is a man who is stranded on a desert island, and this is a very small desert island. There's only enough room for himself and a single palm tree. There are coconuts that are scattered on the ground around him, and this man is very disheveled. He's got no shirt on, no shoes on, so uh, good luck walking into a 7-Eleven and making a purchase. They won't let you in. He has a beard and longish hair, so he's been there for quite some time. And I think he's stranded by choice, because there are plenty of people around who could rescue him. But he's not doing much to help his case, because he's throwing coconuts at people who are passing by, and he's hit one guy in the head, and he's knocking that guy off of his boat, and that guy's falling into the water. So this is probably an island you want to steer clear of. Though maybe you want to take that risk, because to the left of that is one of the cutest things that I've ever seen. There are four whales, who all have big smiles on their faces, and they're all wearing hats. Three of them are wearing baseball caps, and the fourth is wearing a graduation cap. So congrats to that fourth whale. Uh, you did it, bud. Below that, and slightly to the left, there is another disheveled man. This man is on a raft that he made, so I assume that he was on that island with the crazy guy throwing coconuts, and he wanted to escape so bad that he built this raft. And he built it using a bunch of wood planks that he tied together with some sort of twine, and there's a single post towards the back of the raft that has a t-shirt hanging off of it, so he's using the t-shirt as a sail. Now, this man is also wearing no shirt and no shoes, so good luck on in 7-Eleven. And he is using a sword to fight a swordfish. So can't say that I support that. Violence against animals is a, a big no-no in my book. So I hope that man is killed by that swordfish. Moving down, we have what I would describe as mom's day out. There are two women who are in the front seat of a speedboat, a green speedboat. Nice color, though and two kids who are in the back of the speedboat, and these mothers are just running amok. They don't care who's in their path. They're driving straight through all this boat traffic, and they're splashing water on these people, knocking them over. There are three teenagers who are nearby, and they're, one is shaking their fists. The teenagers are angry. So you know that you're doing something crazy when teenagers are angry at you. Moving to the left, we're all the way at the edge of the left page now. 
There is a boy and an older woman in a wooden rowboat, and the boy is rowing backwards. I don't know if this is a mother-son situation or a boy and his nanny. Could be student-teacher. If that's the case, the woman is doing a poor job at teaching this boy because he's rowing backwards, like I said. He can't see, and he's hitting a scuba diver in the head with one of the oars. So it's on the teacher to really warn him to look out where he's going. Unless, you know, I shouldn't assume maybe the boy is the teacher and the older woman is the student. Sometimes things aren't what they seem. Uh, Like one time I was walking down the street at night and I was startled because I thought I saw a man sitting on a stoop, but it turns out it was just a Halloween scarecrow. So apparently you don't need to be a crow to be scared by a scarecrow. As long as you're easily frightened, that'll do the trick. Right below that, there is a yellow canoe, a long canoe that's being rowed by seven Native American men. And the Native American man standing in the front of the canoe is shooting an arrow into a red inflatable raft that has three people on board, two of whom are wearing yellow life vests, one is not, and that arrow has punctured the inflatable raft. I don't want to dive too much into this situation because it's potentially problematic and it's not for me to discuss. There, that's all you ever have to do, is just not talk about something you don't know about, and you'll stay out of trouble. Right below that, there are two topless women who are waving at those men, and they're covered by the water, but it's pretty clear what's going on here. A little risque for a Waldo cartoon, but other than that, I think it's a beautiful moment. Right below that, there is a family fishing trip. They're all in a wooden rowboat. It's a mother her teenage son, and a man. I think this is like a stepfather bonding sort of thing. And the mother was like, you know, Dan, I think it's time, because every stepfather's name is Dan. She was like, I think it's time that you and Billy kind of got to know each other. You know, he can really use a father figure in his life right now. He's rebelling. His grades are declining. He's cutting class. And so Dan's like, I know. Why don't we go fishing? And the mother and the son have never been fishing before, but uh, they oblige. And so now the teenage son has cast his rod, and he's hooked a muscular man's red speedo. And there are five fish nearby that are poking their heads out of the water, and they're all smiling, looking at this. So they're hoping that that man's speedo comes flying off, and they get to see the goods. I didn't know that fish were attracted to humans, but to each their own, I suppose. To the right of that, there is a man who appears to be in part of a submarine. It's this metal vessel, and it looks like there's a periscope in there. He is wearing a white sweater, a white hat, and blue jeans, sort of like an informal sailor attire. He has one hand on his hip and one hand straight at his side, and he's looking straight at us. He's breaking the fourth wall as if to say, can you believe this? And I'm always afraid to go meta, but in this case, I appreciate it because it's nice to have somebody on your side, you know, when you're looking at all this weird stuff. Below him, at the bottom left corner of the left page, we have pirates. These pirates are in a medium-sized wooden boat, and this boat is probably made out of maple, 
or ash. Something similar to that because it's lighter in shade than any of the other wooden boats that we've seen so far. And these pirates are commandeering the party boat that we spoke about earlier. They're climbing on board with their grappling hooks, and there are a couple pirates who remain on that wooden rowboat. There's one guy who is holding the skull and crossbones flag, or the Jolly Roger, as it's called sometimes. And that's always weird because everybody else gets to climb on board and hijack this boat, but this guy has to stick around and hold that flag to let everybody know that they're pirates. It's sort of like during the Civil War where the soldiers had to play the fifes and bang the drums, which is also similar to the orchestra that had to play on the Titanic. So it all comes around. The thing about the Civil War, though, is like, what a fun idea, because they were like, it's brother against brother. People you know are going to die. But we could really use a band. We're also Team Union on this podcast, uh, sort of like how we're Team Nancy. It's Callback City right now. So I guess we'll climb on board that boat along with those pirates, though maybe we should distance ourselves from them because they're not there to have a good time. They're causing chaos. They're chasing people with their swords. People are running and screaming. Some of them are jumping overboard trying to get away from these pirates. But there are people on the boat who haven't noticed this yet. In the middle of the boat, there's a giant swimming pool, which is weird because the boat is surrounded by water. The ocean is nature's swimming pool, you know? It's kind of like putting a sandbox on the beach. Redundant, if I could borrow a word from pitchfork.com. In that pool, there are two kids who are pulling a prank. They have a wooden plank that's attached to a fake shark fin, and they're underwater. It's sticking out from the water. They're scaring two people that are in that pool. So... Talk about redundancy. This was done in Jaws. You know, I think memes have ruined originality. Get a new bit. Come up with something original, kids. There are several crew members on board who have green faces. So either they're seasick or they're all participating in some sort of the mask cosplay, in which case somebody should stop them. I want to jump off of the boat for one second because something just caught my eye. First of all, we have a family that's on a sailboat, and two kids on that sailboat are playing tic-tac-toe on the sail. They have a marker, and they're on their third game. So one of those games, X1, another one of those games, O1, and this is the deciding game to to see which one of those kids is the tic-tac-toe champion. There's also another kid on that boat who has a camera, and he's taking a picture of the sassiest frog that I've ever seen. It has one arm on its hip, and another one is sort of doing... I don't know how to explain this. It's like if you did a talk-to-the-hand sort of thing, and you moved that down to your side, and you kind of had it pointing out. That's what this frog is doing. Sassy frog. So that's what caught my eye, but to the right of that are three lumberjacks standing on a log, And the one on the left is sort of hunched over, and he's blowing kisses at a woman who's swimming in the water. And the man she's with is not happy. And this seems to be a common thing. I don't know if this is every single Waldo cartoon, but it's definitely been a couple where there's been a woman flirting with a man who is not the guy she's with. 
But, you know, if I were her, if I were a lady in the water, uh, shout out to M. Night Shyamalan, I think I would choose the lumberjack over the cuck who was swimming next to me. The lumberjack that's all the way to the right is tipping his cap at a woman who is waving at him from the party boat. She's leaning up against a railing. I don't know if the two know each other, but they've made some sort of connection. And the lumberjack in the middle is just going about his business. He's the one who's paddling that log. To the right of that, we're all the way at the edge of the right page, and we see an old man who is in a wooden boat. And this boat is probably made out of uh, mahogany because it has a reddish tint to it. And this man has caught a bunch of green fish, but he's on his way home. He's sitting in the front of the boat and his back is turned. There are four seagulls who are swooping down and stealing some of his fish. Now, I talked about my disdain for birds in the last episode, but I'm here to say that that hatred is still there because... I'm not saying that all birds are bad, but enough of them are that something needs to be done about this. Birds need to be held accountable for their actions. You know, just because they have a beak doesn't mean that they could do whatever they want. Every bird has a deadly weapon on them. I'm talking about their talons, of course. And they're unsupervised. They're free to do whatever they want. And they need to be held accountable for those actions. I'm a big proponent of defunding these avian creatures and training them to protect us instead of attacking us, because that's what they should be doing. Right above that, we have a cowboy riding a seahorse throwing a lasso at other seahorses. Now, I'm not an oceanographer, but these feel like they're really big for seahorses. Like maybe they're genetically engineered in a lab or something for sport. Right above that, we have several mermaids who are hanging out on pool floats. And we have a celebrity sighting because they're all flirting with the Greek god Poseidon. He has a long white beard. He's wearing a crown and holding a trident. And they're all over him. I don't think that Amphitrite would be too happy with this. His wife and uh, the Greek goddess of the ocean. But... I don't know their arrangement. Maybe they have an open relationship and this is fine. I'm not here to interfere. I'm here to observe. So maybe let's move away from this and hop back on that party boat. On the upper deck, we're now in the lower right corner of the right page. We see four crew members who are hiding out in a lifeboat. They're sort of playing hooky from work, but they've been caught by the captain of the ship and he's not happy with this. Right behind them, there is a woman who is sunbathing on a pool chair, and she's wearing a bikini. Very revealing. Oh, and there's Waldo. Waldo is standing on the lower deck, and he's peering over the railing of the upper deck. He sort of looks like a creep because his eyes are kind of bulging above that, but... I sure hope he's not on ecstasy or something like that. It's possible. I mean, he's at a party. I'm just worried about him because he's traveling alone, and I want him to be safe. But, well, whatever. We found Waldo, so congratulations to you, and congratulations to me. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. (laughs) 
Well, another episode of Let's Find Waldo is in the books. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Eugene Cordero for playing Waldo. Eugene can be seen on The Good Place, as well as Star Trek Lower Decks, and one of my favorite shows, Bajillion Dollar Properties. I also want to thank Andy Bustios and Megan Kingsbury for being in the intro sketch. Uh, That was a sketch, by the way. That wasn't a real commercial. Please rate and review this show on iTunes if you can. I would really appreciate that. You can also buy merch for the show. There's a link in the episode description. Other than that, I got nothing left to say. My name is Mark Dowling, and until next time, remember, if you are lost, there will always be somebody there to find you.